Hello and welcome to this episode of the Spring Podcast. This is episode six of series two. And if you haven't done so already, go back and listen to the other episodes. Um, thanks to all of you who've gotten in touch as well. Uh, we've got some nice messages there over the past while. It's great to see people are enjoying it. We try to reply to all of them when we get to them, but just apologies if we haven't got to yours yet. Um, but they are greatly appreciated. So thanks, thanks for those. Um, we've kind of been on a bit of a random streak for the last few episodes there's been no major team other than rallying history but uh, we're changing tack a small bit now for the, for the next few because we're going to focus on the 2003 WRC season so if you've listened to the first series of the podcast you'll recall that we did a deep dive into the 2001 season um, because it was one of the, the most competitive years ever in the sport but 2003 was actually you know really really good as well um, and there was still a huge level of manufacturer involvement, some great drivers, some classic events, all that sort of stuff. So we decided we'd, we'd take a look at that for a few episodes. We won't be doing one episode per round this time, um, but we will be. We will do at least a couple of episodes on the season itself, as well as this kind of season preview tonight. And we'll also have an interview with the 2003 champion, Peter Solberg. Um, so make sure and tune in for, for that. Um some really good stories there. So um, I suppose before we get to 2003, we should talk about 2002. So guys, what are your memories from 2002, apart from Granholm wiping the floor? Uh, memories from 2002, uh, lots of driving illegally as a 17-year-old and what have you around home. But apart from that, yeah, Marcus Granholm and the arrival of Channel 4 TV coverage to kind of bring it into the mainstream and rally excess, the the two things kind of went hand in hand and the sport kind of, it built on the success of 2001 and had kind of gone from the fringes to almost into the mainstream. You know, it was on primetime TV uh, on Friday evenings and, you know, Saturdays and Sundays, you know, it was unheard of, you know, for our generation, you know, it was unbelievable still, a good crop of drivers as well going around, you know? Yeah, you mentioned there, Tommy, about it obviously coming in more mainstream. I think even for me, whatever age I was, maybe 12, 13, um, I kind of really kind of spreading your wings and really learn a lot more about the World Championship, getting a lot closer to, the, obviously the coverage was getting a lot better, a lot more detailed, um, and started to really get obsessed with, with all the onboards that were coming out at that time as well. So, Again, for me, there's a lot of kind of visuals and, and, and imagery is it's stuff from that era. So kind of 01, 02, 03, up to 04 is probably, I'd say probably one of the most influential times for me anyway. Um, and 2002, was it 2002 where the WRC 2 game went platinum? Yeah. WRC, WRC 2 Extreme. Or, yeah, yeah. yeah, that was the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just we have to put that in there because, again, uh, my, my controllers and thumbs are paying the price right now. Um, but all the errors on that game. You give yourself RSI with the... Um, yeah, yeah. The yeah. I just yeah. looked, it's actually on the shelf here behind me. 
Oh, yeah, I, I still have all that. I refuse to let go of all my, my old PS2 rally games. They're all still there. Gathering Send help. We are still stuck in the early 2000s. Yes. I don't care. Yeah. Um, I, suppose I like it here. That's it. They can drag me out kicking and screaming. Yeah. There had been um, there had been a lot of driver changes and team changes there um, for 2002. Uh, the big one, which we would have talked about in the first series, was was Richard Burns moving to Peugeot. Um, he didn't have the best year in 2002. You know, um, I don't think things probably went all that well from with the car. Um, it was definitely Marcus's team. Um, and that was, you know, we saw at the tail end of 2001 there. Marcus had a massive run of form and he continued that in 2002. He had the championship wrapped up by New Zealand, let's say, was it? New Zealand, yeah. Richard was still in the battle, though. He could still have won the title, you know, with the results in New Zealand. And for someone who was new into a team that essentially is the same hours was someone else's team, like he was nearly a year ahead of schedule because like I think Robert mentioned it in the interview with us in series one uh, that the the idea was to go there for one, go there with the first year and really attack the second year. He was close to him all year. I think it could be looked at as a relatively successful year without being spectacularly so. You know, mm. but it, isn't it isn't it strange though? Even looking by any any year standards or even more modern days for the world champion to move to a team and immediately become demoted by, yeah. was it, was it Granholm's second full year? First full year? Third. It was 2000 would have been Granholm's first year. No, did, but did he have a full season? Did he have a full season for 2000? Oh, sorry. 2000 yeah, he won the championship yeah. 2000. Yeah. yeah. yeah sorry. There was th- I actually think he was It wants to be a fairly shit year now if he'd won the championship and didn't have a full year in the car. <laughs> Yeah. 94, 94. <laughs> yeah. he, he um he actually didn't I don't think he was supposed to do the full year, but then when they won Sweden early in the in early in the year, I think they, they decided to I am not sure was it the team or was it just Marcus? Um but they they decided that yeah they'd do a full championship result. My my theory on it is he got into the car, got it all set up, and because he's so tall, he couldn't get out of the two or six. He said, "Right, let's just leave him there for the year." Let's just leave him there yeah. for the year. Let's yeah, leave him yeah. there till his contract is done. See what happens. Yeah. Have you yeah. tried moving the seat rails? Once they're in, they're they're a bastard they're to move. It. Yeah, he was bait into the car. The car was built around him. And even even seat rails that are put in well are hard to move. Let alone the the, the that, shitty that, ones. But I would that's add. the idea, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they shouldn't move easily. Probably no one, to, no one told that. No one told yeah. that to Carlos Sainz. No, yeah. the other side um, as well is that he was a, he had Carjala as his sponsor, so good man for the session, you know. Yeah, good complimentary stuff. It's, it was just a strange contrast to 2001, considering how, how close 2001 was in terms of um, the championship. That Marcus actually scored double the points, more than double the points of the second place driver who turned out to be Peter Salberg in 2002. Um, so you know. It was, I wouldn't say it was a boring year. It definitely was, you know, not as exciting in terms of the title fight, but there was a lot of um, rallies there where he just ran away with things. I think he'd won two, three, five or six wins um, at his ease. He probably should have won GB as well. He just went off the road. He literally just went off the road just to not concentrate. And like, <laughs> yeah, and, um, he, and he was laughing at it. <laughs> yeah, they were just laughing. So he didn't care. Like, and what just, I loved just, is, I loved his interview when he was given his excuse and he was just like, making it up on the spot and he goes ah, I was shifting with the, the manual uh, um, and the intercom and 
look, basically, I fucked it up. Sorry. <laughs> That's what happened to yeah, your brother yeah, passing, and your jokes. Yeah. Yeah, and you passed him and came down and taffed him then as well. And then Thomas the coach, I think, in the Corolla, they all went taffed in the same spot. So it was a tricky spot, but... Dixie's, is that what it's called, I believe? What was it called? In Dixie's, it's in Eppent. Is that the um, name of it, is it? Yeah, it's in the Eppent Ranges. Dixie's for... stage. Yeah. Yeah. But um, just then, and that second place man, Salberg, he... Um, it was, it was, I suppose, GB. The last round of 2002 was kind of a, a sign of things to come for the, the subsequent years because it was a, after Grand Home retired, it was a battle between Peter Salberg and Macca Martin to both fighting for their first win. Um, and of course, Salberg was the, the man who, who got there. Burns went off then on Morgan Park, you know, the site of his title win 12 months earlier. And it was just, you know, it was, it was such a contrast. Carlos was finished the championship in third. Um, Colin was fourth and Richard was fifth. Then Gil Pinizzi was sixth. Again, Gil had just put in, you know, extremely strong drives in the time rounds as usual. Mm-hmm. That's what brought him up. Does anyone um, kind of think that people fluctuated in their performance from being outstanding to quite indifferent in some of their performances across everyone that year? In 2002? Yeah. I think the Pugers were just so strong that everything else was everyone else was, was you know the best they could do was was what they got and mm-hmm. um, Colin had a couple of wins in the middle of the season he won Greece and he won the la- to Safari which turned out to be the last ever Safari the old style one I suppose they knew they um, knew they knew no too that that was going to be the last year didn't they yeah they knew it was gone for a while I don't know if they knew that it was you know going to be gone for as long as it was but I think they, they were they were having some problems back then which mm. I can tell you one man stuff. Yeah, one man that wasn't disappointed with that would have been Richard Burns after 2002. Ah, uh, that was heartbreaking, was, uh, wasn't it? Heartbreak. Yeah. So, if you, if you a... want to personify heartbreak and frustration, just look at that yeah. clip. Yeah. Anyway, within, we, within vision of the control. We might we might look uh, do a bit of a, a, a deeper look into some 2002 stories in the future. Um, but one of the big ones was Tommy McInnes' sort of fall from, from Grace, really, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Really, really bad year. Just nothing seemed to go right from him. He won in the Monte, and I suppose he's, he's down in the books as having won. Sebastian won on the road, but um, got a penalty in for an illegal tyre change, which stripped him of his first win. But um, I don't think he was too bothered. What, what was, without delving in too much in it, but that that tyre change scenario, that was, it was a, in, it was in, in the, it was in some place where they shouldn't have been changing tyres, something stupid like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. You maybe put it down to Citroen not being the most experienced, but I don't know. Those things are usually pretty, pretty clear cut in the rules. So still a fairly um, strong. Like I, I think Mackinnon's start of the year was fairly good, and that he was battling for the win in Argentina as well. You know, like oh, I, yeah. But we all saw how that went. Like that was a massive, massive accident. Like I remember watching it on TV. It was in the days when you saw accidents on TV where they actually showed them in their full fat version of them. And there was a camera, was there a photographer? Am I right in saying That's the right, car yeah. cleared over the top of them? Yeah, and, in uh, the middle of rolling, it actually, yeah. And uh, yeah, and in, in, in the topic of Argentina, a proper hand of God literally lifted that car over them. Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Argentina, there that year, there's an example like Richard Burns had won the rally, was disqualified. Marcus Granholm disqualified. Mackinnon crashed out on the last stage. And was it Carlos Sainz got the win? 
He did actually, yeah. Yeah. Just the Peugeots didn't burns. There's a flywheel irregularity. There was something, yeah, something silly like that, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think Science did actually get it. Um, just looking, yeah, Science is down as number one, and the. Uh, and, and did the that make system. him? Did that make him one of the oldest winners of, of an event? Or am I thinking wrong? I'd say there's been a lot older at this at that stage even. Um, if you look at some of the African rallies, like the Bjorn Waldegard, whenever he won his fair for Toyota. Was he about 80? Yeah, he was fairly well arrested. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like, again, we were still fascinated by the sport. Obviously, we were you know, still, still very young. Um, it's still really cool. Probably the, the, the championship being so dominated by one team and, and one driver didn't help probably the, the broader image of the sport but it was still very exciting um, and then into 2003 then um, it went with you know the sport was still on a high the, ca- the regulations hadn't changed the regulations had been stable now for a number of years um, the WRC car was the accepted method of getting into the sport and um, there was a lot of privateer cars around. There was a huge following for the sport in Ireland, you know, both at a national level and international level. Um, the sport seemed to be on the up and up. So if we just run through the, I suppose, the, the teams. So the only change from 2002, um, did we lose anyone? Mitsubishi. Sorry, you're right. Mitsubishi, Jeez, yeah. Huge one, huge and one, we, yeah. Like from 2002 through to 2003, there were a few names that, like we talked about, say in the 2001 season, people who made the odd cameo appearances, but they were kind of um, mainstays of the championship, I suppose, for a long time. People like you, Hakankin, and and he made his last kind of bow in 2002 and wasn't seen again with Hyundai in 03. But I think the one that I suppose we we'd missed the most would have been Francois Delacour, but he went yeah. out in style for violence. <laughs> yeah, shouting at his co driver. Yeah. Um, I was a consequence of, of, of that was that um, Peugeot got uh, Marlborough moved to Peugeot, and so the two or sixes lost their silver livery, which I thought was very distinctive at the time. I always, I always loved the silver and red livery, and then they had this red, full red and white Marlborough stuff. Of course, Burnsy's uh, Nicorette deal went up in smoke quite literally then once uh, Marlborough came on the scene. <laughs> I, always uh, thought, I, I always thought it looked cool on Tarmac, the Marlborough one. Yeah, I yeah, did. Oh, no, it was still very cool, like, but I, I, I don't know. I just, I preferred, I was, uh, like, that, that was in two hedges, man. No, I agree, yeah. I agree with Morris. As, as nice as the Marlborough one was, and as much as we love cigarette sponsorship on, on cars, the Silver Peugeot or SO1 <clears> or the what was the main main one on in two thousand two on the car? Uh, total, yeah. totally. Yeah, just is it just again around the time where all the teams just looked a lot more solid. Everything looked more permanent. Joe, there wasn't phone book sponsorship on cars. You know where you've yeah. a, ran, a random company turning up here, and the, the company goes bust a month later, and there's another guy on the wing, and yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It just it looked like a lot what we more. like what we'd have in rally cars. Like. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Stickers. Most, most of those stickers are only there to hold panels together. That's it. Here, That's it. A lot, yeah. lot to be said for men. That's a load bearing yeah. sticker, hey. Load bearing yeah. stickers. But, cover um, up the cable ties. Just, just, make, uh, just make sure your lettering is under a certain height. 
till fel skrutning. Så ja, Peugeot, they kept, they kept the same lineup more or less um, for as Rosen Tours so over at home. Uh, Richard Burns, you had Pinizzi and Robin Perrodin doing their specialist thing on their preferred surfaces. And we had Freddie Lakes actually do GB with them, but um, that was for slightly very unfortunate reasons as we'll get to um, over the next couple of episodes I'm sure most of you will know already what happened but um, we'll, we'll get to that in time um, looking at Ford then big changes there so they'd lost um, Colin and Carlos um, they'd both gone to Citroen taking Carlos's Telefonica uh, money with them um, Martini pulled away so we were left with a car that had basically the letters RS up the side of it and nothing else um, which was so, cool looking in Monty it looked cool it did the wage, the wage it, bill definitely came down though yeah, it but, did, yeah, yeah. but also they had they did the, the genius Christian Lorio tipping away in the background with his pen and the hacksaw come, there was come. definitely I think there was definitely signs of that in the 2002 car if you look at the 2002 car compared to the 01 car they're sitting a lot lower the cage design is different you can see there, there's um there's a bit of crossover, I think, to the 03 car, but that 03 car, which we'll get to um, as we go through the season, was just probably one of my favorite rally cars of all time. It yeah, it's, so it's hands cool. down. It, it's one thing I've always said. I was actually only talking to my brother about this the other day, where the picture of it came up when they launched it and just the white, the white bodywork with the pictures outside M Sport. Yeah. And still, I don't care what anyone says, you hand me the money in the morning and that's the car I'm buying. Yeah. It's aged fantastically. It has. Like, it's, it, it looks. It has it aged. It, 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 looks, it, it, it looks like the, the 17 spec cars. Yeah, it's some a stick yeah. square rear arches in the back with some diffusers out the side of it. Job done. Yeah, no, it's it's one of my favorite cars of, of all time. It was it seemed to be so streets ahead of anything else in terms of, uh, you know, the, the, the pushing the likes of the, the design philosophy that Lario had. It, it was just um, a big, big change from what, what I went before. Did went what, with... Um, like, was it from... The, the tech piece that was in the showdown DVD where they had that interview with Lario and the car and Duval was testing it. I, I think I probably watched that about seven million times. Was 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 it on Chris Harris's uh, podcast with Nicky Grist where there was something mentioned about Christian Lario? Just going back even to two thousand and two, he was very particular with with weight and weight distribution to the point that he was limiting the navigators on how much how many pencils they could carry in the car. I yeah. I I believe it. I, I yeah. after hearing like because was was Christian still with Subaru in two thousand one? Yeah. Um. Yeah, he was, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and Robert Reed told us a story about um the map light. They they, they weren't allowed mounted on the top of the top bar of the cage. You had to be down on the the B pillar bar, um, as low as down as as keep it down as as low as possible. They weren't allowed fit it when it wasn't being used during the day or whatever, all that sort of stuff. But then again, that's the thing. Do you know you have to have that level of focus and determination when you're um when you're at that level. So have you seen the group AM three he's building? Lario? Yeah. No. Center of gravity is actually on the on the tarmac, is it? He's got <laughs> yeah. He's got a page uh, on Facebook. I must try and find the name of it. He but, just put wheels in the seats and bolted the engine to his job done. Yeah, it's like Fred Flintstone's car. But was, wasn't the, the major change in that O3 Fox, so it was based off the American chassis, which was a longer wheelbase. Yeah. Yeah. And that gave was, them that way. Yeah. Was the, by any chance, was the O2 car built off the same chassis in preparation for O3? 
don't think so. I think the zero two car was still longer bumpers. I think were down to something to do with being homologated off an American chassis. Oh yeah, yeah, that was it. Yeah, yeah, that was and there was a lot of stuff with the stability, um, you know, related to the long wheelbase, obviously. Um, obviously the weight distribution was a lot better. Did if you look at, I actually have a model, um, a couple of models of the zero three car on actually one big scale one where you can open the van and stuff. It's amazing to see, you know, how far back they tried to push the engine and how low they tried to get it. Joe, you know, even though it's still a, a straightforward engine, so it's mm. not the easiest thing. It's a tall engine, you know, inherently, so it's hard enough to to get them low, but they did their best. Um, you very young driver lineup as well, uh, Marco Martin who the zero three car was arguably designed around and, and put it to great use over the, the next couple of years. Uh, Duval, as we've mentioned. Duval, it's been mentioned on the Absolute Rally podcast, which I know Tony Simpson would probably be fed up here and it been referenced, <laughs> but that brilliant interview with Stefan Prevo. Does Tony Probably, get royalties every time it's mentioned, though? Yeah. <laughs> Duval, does the story that he tells, um, that Stefan Prevo tells that Duval came really close to signing a deal which was a Cronus racing a year a one-year deal or two-year deal with Cronus instead of a multi-year deal with Ford because the multi-year deal with Ford involved him having to go over to Cumbria and just help Broder around the workshop and if someone asked me to pay 20 30 grand a year rather than receiving that which would probably would you, be you would do anything yeah I'd do it I'd do it and I'd I'd moonlight as a as as a toilet cleaner in a nightclub just to do it no questions but the reality of it is though it stands to a driver you look at the likes of Elf and Evans and we're looking at we're going in towards uh, possibly the most bizarre rally showdown we're going to see for the World Rally Championship at Monza of all places but it stood it stood to him being an employee more or less at times at M Sport because was it OJ? Do you remember he hit the car in, was it Mexico two years ago? Yes, yeah, I remember that. And, and it was the familiarity that Elton Evans had with working on the car himself that was able to help Sebastian get the car fixed. Yeah. Like you can't put a price on that kind of practical yeah. first hand knowledge well, of it. And like for Duval to have done that. It's, you know, it's such a waste of talent and that's the saddest thing, you know. If you're raised around it and raised to get your hands dirty and working on it. Yeah, yeah. It, they, they and it adds to the hunger of it as well. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Peter, Peter Salberg, when he was with Imsport in 99, I think, I think he was more or less building his own car at various points during the season. So, But it's that, like, that's That's because he broke it as well. A couple of yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's it. You, you, you learn. What happens. <laughs> Yeah, you can you picture know. Peter just being like the annoyingly enthusiastic young flag on around asking everyone a million questions. Yeah. yeah. How did he get the trip to Donegal? We must find that out. Yeah. yeah. Did, did he just kind of, you know, like had nothing to do that weekend or was kind of Malcolm's reward for getting the car finished earlier? Yeah. When we'll go to Donegal. Um, buy your chips. Yeah. If anyone's wondering what we're, what the fuck we're talking about, um, <laughs> if you look clo- closely at the RPM, Donegal 99 footage you'll see I think on the first stage uh, spectating Malcolm Wilson and it was only pointed out by a friend of ours Brian there recently enough that Peter Salberg is actually standing beside him and you'd, you'd have to be you'd, ha- it's, you'd squint now you'll get him but he's, it's unmistakably better but anyway so that's that's Martin and Duval we also had two other young guns making an appearance uh, Mikko Horvonen was in a third car for a lot of the year um, and then we had Yari Mahi Latvila um, who was I think he was only 17 at the time yeah I met he was doing some British championship uh, rounds in an M Sport car so 
Innsworth were really hedging their bets after a couple of years of running, you know, acknowledged superstars. They were really, after flipping the coin and starting to go with the, the younger generation. So, but it was to, to prove pretty fruitful for them in the years to come. But um, just interesting to see how much of a change there was. Um, and to Subaru then, uh, same lineup, Peter and Tommy. Nothing much to add there. New car for the season. The S9, which we saw, I'd say, nearly every chassis that was built by Roger ended up in Ireland at some point. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, Tommy was entering into the final season of his career um, and still had it. Still, it was still quick, obviously. Um, but Peter was probably the team number one at this stage. It's a, and it's amazing like to, to, to know it from 2001. Peter was the young guy. He was getting the odd good finish and he was building up the speed. And now he's the main man. It shows you how much of a talent he was. That I suppose there's similarities in the way the team at ProDrive did that with Colin McRae and Ari Vatanen back in the, the legacy days. Obviously, Colin was getting the odd good result back then and Ari was supposedly the, the team leader, you would have suggested, of the two. You know, it just... They obviously had a certain value uh, placed on youth and developing it in the team. Where do we go next? Will we go to Citroen? Yeah, I thought we'd actually pass them and, and skirted over the fact that it was their first full season. Yeah, it seems like they've been around for ages. but I know, yeah. <laughs> well, two, of the la- two of the lads were at the last team are now at this team. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, all, they're almost due to bow out of the championship at this stage. Yeah. Wasn't there kind of murmurings at the time, if I recall correctly, that, you know, how come they're being allowed to dip in and out as they please, basically, for the last couple of years? And, like, if you remember, Desire had been running in the French Championship in 2000. Um, wasn't homologated as a WRC car, but it was basically a WRC car. They did some more modifications to 2001, did a few rounds, 2002, did a few rounds, won Germany um, with Sebastian. And didn't really do. They they got experience. They went to the Safari, which is unusual considering that it wasn't going to be around. I suppose they went they to Finland to as well, didn't they? They went to Finland. I can see what I went there, and I think they went to they went to Greece. I'm pretty sure they went. Did they go to Australia? I think so. Um. Anyway, they did a lot of. I suppose got as much running in as they could. But as we mentioned there, when we were talking about Ford, they managed to get uh, both Carlos and Colin on board um, strange enough move from Colin um, I can kind of see the car with Sue Carlos we could see already in 2002 that Colin's driving style he wasn't maybe adapting as, as quickly to the kind of more front led style of driving than than, than some of the others um, I don't think the focus was the the car to match its competitors, though, in 2002 either. Now, look, it, you're, you're absolutely right. I think O'Connor and that some of his ways were, weren't were really in the... They weren't compatible going forward the way the sport was heading. But I don't think the focus was a, a fair match for the likes of a 206. No, not in the Prillies as well. Like yeah, he had but- the better at Carlos 90% of the time. Yeah. yeah, but with that as well, like look at the marked difference between the O2 Focus and the O3 Citroen, as Morris mentioned there. Mm. The driving style, like as much as we all love McRae, the, like the driving style was just outdated. Like you didn't and you still don't drive modern WRC cars sideways. Um, mm. 
you know what I mean? Like the diffs do everything. So the, the aggressive balls out such it doesn't work. There's uh, a lot of upheaval after going on though as well. That kind of you're going from like Colin could be living up in, in Lanark, right where he lives. Cumbria is near enough to the Scottish border. It's fairly northern part of the UK. So he could theoretically drive down to Cumbria to go testing and do his work. France is a bit of a different story. And mm. you, when you throw into the mix as well that you've a new, not a new navigator, but you know when someone hasn't sat with you for guts of seven years, there's still a bit of tuning back into that as well, I'd imagine. Mm. I, I would say it probably wasn't the most um, settled time either, you know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't know. And, that's, and that's no disservice to Derek Ringer, who did like an amazing job. And yeah, no, I don't. I know what you're saying. I kind of got the feeling, even at my young age, didn't seem right. I don't know why. I don't know. I just we all knew the, the Citroen was definitely not a spectacular car, you know. So it was more geared towards that, you know, more smooth, straight sort of driving. And Loeb was using it to devastating effect already. Um, and he was only to prove like Loeb was actually unlucky enough to not win this year when you think about it um, if a couple of things had gone differently for him he, he would have won it his first full season and we would have he would have had 10 championships as opposed to 9 um, but body language how... I think was kind of even a bit strange with McCray you'd see him during the year regularly he'd be on Channel 4 you know it wasn't the same confident driver that you were so yeah. used to seeing and but also Look, if the reality of it is a, a French culture team, as Richard Burns found out, is a completely different setup to a team, you know, based in the UK. And also, if you're not, if you don't have the language, it, it it's going to go against you to a degree. Carlos probably has French. Oh, definitely, French. you can be sure. Carlos, yeah. Carlos is probably fluent in twenty or thirty languages. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> the best altar wine. Yeah, 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 yeah. But as well, so, like you mentioned there, like, it was probably a combination of like, like, like kind of the age, the age of him, kind of the way things were going the years before that. That, that drive, the one, it was a one-year deal. It almost seemed like a bit of a swan song. It's like, yeah, even during the year, during the year, even like it's great to say with hindsight, but even I remember back then, kind of going, Jesus, this is going to be McRae's last year because it's a one-year drive, but a team that just doesn't fit him. Is it like obviously, and the money was huge. It was a huge deal for him. Yeah, um, and it was. Nice bit of PR for Citroen to have it, but yeah, it just—it's like you knew. I don't—I don't think the age was the thing because if you think about it, Chris Chris Meek only got his break at the age of thirty-four, which is the same age Colin did his last event. Like that's by no stretch old. I, I think. It, I thought I'm not older than that. No three. No, Colin was only thirty-four by the end of the year. Jesus. So, like, I'd say though you are on to something though. There was there was something missing. You know, a bit of the buzz was just not there. It, but anyway, imagine, imagine this scenario. Imagine if Tommy Mackin had retired at the end of 2002 and McRae took the Subaru driving 03. I think you would have seen him there a lot longer. And the, the guessing is Tommy, Tommy was actually approached by Citroen. Um, yeah. In that, to me, that would have fit more well than, or more well. That would have fit better than. <laughs> Stay here for good English. Me learn English? <laughs> yeah, that's impossible. Um, uh, Skoda had found Didier Ariel um, when they were sunglass shopping and decided to <laughs> ask him if he wanted to drive for them. Um, so he did. 
There's free hats as well. Um, in did, did he, the team is too happy. We need someone to come in and sort it out. Yeah. Hold um, my beer. Hold my, hold, yeah. hold my glasses. Everyone else is happy with the setup. We need someone to come in here and fucking <laughs> cringe. Um, but yeah, so Ari landed on again um, after doing more or less fuck all in 2002. Um, he came he, along to ruin, to end Stig Blomkist and Kenneth Erickson's careers. Yeah. To do yeah. them out of drives. Yeah. Yeah. God love him. But I was actually watching the excellent VHS rallies coverage of the RSC 93 and they mentioned that Kenneth Harrison was 37 in 2000 uh, or 1993 so Kenneth Harrison was pushing on he probably Shit. had he'd had his he'd had his he'd had his run he was fine um, so Skoda started off the year with the, the good old Octavia they got some different sponsors to carry up a little bit different and then they moved to the Fabia um, later on in the year um, but we'll get to that as I said they also had Tony Gardemister and they gave drives to Matthias Kalle, very quick uh, German guy, and Jan Kapecki, the perennial squad, a factory driver, and Gabriel Pazzo, of course. Um, and then Hyundai. Uh, so Hyundai stuck with uh, Schwartz, Freddie Likes for 2003. How was Likes still in a drive? His Melbourne money was gone to Peugeot. I don't know what the crack was there. He did good um, enough 2002. He was, he, he, he was setting fastest times and, you it? know, he, he was outperforming the car, to be fair to me. He outperformed Kankin. And, yeah. And, and to be honest, I mean, no disrespect to Hyundai at that stage, but would there be a huge amount of people lining up for a drive there? They were in trouble. Um, they time. actually didn't even run out the year because there was some contractual dispute between MSD who built the car and Hyundai themselves in Korea. Um, weren't they fine? Yeah, they were fine for leaving the championship, weren't they? They were. They stopped turning up after round ten, I think, um, which is a pretty. But they, they'd lost their Castrol sponsorship as well, which went to Ford. Um, and it's a shame because it, that that was the O three was the Evo two car, wasn't it? Evo three. Yeah, they were going to the Evo three. That's the Rossi three. Was, yeah, yeah. Even the livery that year was cool as well. The red and silver. Yeah, yeah. Freddie was I, due a, a bit of luck though, in fairness. Yeah. No, he was. It was a good time for him to turn up to start, start remembering how to drive again. Because <laughs> I, I remember 2002 when Freddie, uh, he burst his ankle in a really dirty accident. The Monte, Monte wouldn't Carlo, it? Yeah. Mm. But then he went to Sweden and it was around the time that Mark James was doing the, the commentary for all the English language feeds and TV3 in Ireland had bought the, the, the rights of it from from Sweden onwards, they didn't show Monty. And mm-hmm. Likes was up to fourth overall. And he was driving with his foot basically in a boot. He was technically driving with a broken ankle. And he was way up in the... I think it was only due to an alternator failure or something silly that he mm. didn't finish. Yeah, geez, he was going He was going really well, in fairness to him. I forgot uh, that actually. Yeah. yeah. I would um, not have anyone speak ill of Freddie Likes. <laughs> well, better go back and delete or start believing out probably ten percent of the shows in one season yeah. we did. So probably the wor- the, there's the worth of a full podcast that has to be got rid of. So. There is, there is, yeah, yeah. How do you, yeah, uh, how do you disassociate, disassociate yourself from season yeah. one completely? So that was um, that was the team's lineup. How did you be not be honest now, right? Because we've gushed so much about the shows in one that you know. It's it's kind of it's a, it's in my mind it's untouchable. Looking back at two thousand and three now, how do you, how did you feel about it at the time, and how do you feel about it now? Be be honest. I I'm gonna be 
blatantly honest here. I as I'm obviously oh one was just nothing can match it. But for me, oh as I said, going through 02, 03, and even up to 04, those are the years as I said where I really, really got into the kind of the nitty-gritty of almost can we'll say behind the TV coverage of WRC. Do you know the kind of just saying the years where you really learned a lot of detail. So I think I almost felt a bit closer to it at that stage. So 2003 for me, like I mentioned there earlier, I mean, I, I don't know how many times I've, I had watched that showdown uh, DVD of, of 03, yeah. of coverage of Marigan Park, all the features, the onboards, and there's a fantastic onboard from Loeb in Germany there in the Zara. Oh, um, brilliant, actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah and it's just a lovely piece of time. Right? But there's, yeah, there's so, so many. Quick that, yeah. And remember, like that year, there was all the cool bits got into DVDs. Remember, they brought in the Virtual Spectator. They had that thing with Germany, with Granholm and Burns, or Granholm mm. and Loeb with the overshooting things. Mm. They just, there seemed to be more access. And they remember said, the select get, button in the middle yeah. of the stage, and it took you to a different piece yeah. of footage completely. And, and, and like it just, it seemed to be popping up more and more. And as I said, you were getting to a more kind of, you were slightly maturing in it. You were kind of, you were getting more involved in the sport here at home. And then you were, so for me, I think 03 was, I think a really, another important year for me, definitely. Um, it's probably yeah. one of the years, one of those years that you recall way more than, than a lot of the others. Tell me what you reckon. I think for me, 03 was the last um, of that era. And there was kind of a golden period of the WRC cars where it was up to the end of 03. After that, it kind of, I I think was when, I suppose it kind of jumping the gun a little bit, but when it went to the two driver rule, that kind of, it took away a lot of the people you were familiar with yeah. uh, at the end of the year. But yeah, like I was really excited for 03 because you had, you had the familiarity of reliability being able to put on Channel 4 and you go home. If you, if you were lucky enough to have the English channels, you'd have, you had it on Channel 4. But it was on TV3 in Ireland as well. Mm. You could watch the guys, you know, and it was, I suppose you had a bit of, because we were into, say, Super 1600s as well. Like I was only starting college in 2003. So I would often miss the final day's coverage. That was the only thing I used to have a problem with with all three mm-hmm. because you'd be getting the bus down to college. Tommy but, wouldn't know what who won that, that rally until the subsequent <laughs> rally. Until I, until I got down to see Teletext later or something, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. But yeah. Um, no, I think O three 3 was the end. It was the last year, really. Of, I suppose in some ways it was the last year for reasons that we know and obviously we'll go through as well. But you had you had the names. You had McRae. You had you know Tommy Mack, and then you know Richard was there. You know, there there was certain all the guys that really made it so special in one were still there. Yeah, exactly. I I'm kind of of the same opinion. You can you can kind of you can kind of trace my interest in the sport directly with the amount of gears that Peugeot were running. And <laughs> what a great yeah. way! To... That's brilliant. <laughs> when can I shake your hand again? That's good. That's good. <laughs> when they went to four speed for thousand and four, I just oh, I remember. I remember just seeing that three hundred seven, not a testing video because there was no such thing back then. Uh, I'm sure there was, but just not in Ireland with the internet. Um, but seeing something possibly on your news. Do you remember when you just do like a, a two minute clip of rally? Yeah, in between that's right. Yeah, yeah. In between. You'd be waiting for everything to start at about yeah. 12 o'clock in the day on TG4, but you'd yeah, do yeah, it yeah, yeah, every, yeah. for about five hours of the day. That's it, yeah. 
Um, seeing a clip of the 307 testing, I think, geez, that looks like shit. But, but think um, about it. Sorry, Mars, gone. Yeah, I've I, I gone through a few years of just automatically, every, to me, every World Rally car was the coolest thing on the road, uh, uh, possible, one of the coolest competi- type of competition car that 307 came out. I'm not directly blaming Peugeot for it. Um, <laughs> You're blaming the totally group. <laughs> I would say it's 92% their fault. Um, but nah, I just whatever. This 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 to me. If you look at from two thousand and four on, I was I, I just remember being an awful lot more interested in what was happening yeah. at home, and then what was happening in the world scene. Two thousand and five, I was back into it again for a bit, and then whenever all the teams pulled out at the end of two thousand and five, I started fucking just kind of. Mm. I wasn't ignoring the Brasi, but the, the level of interest compared to what I'd had in the early two thousands, what just wasn't there, you know. So. Yeah. I think Tommy's right. This from '97 to 2003 was the golden era of the two-liter World Rally car. I think because yeah. the cars were still very relatable to their old. Okay, that absolutely zero in common with maybe a pair from a door handle, some of them. But you know, even when you look at the Fabia, you know, squint your eyes, it's still a Fabia. The, silo- the silhouette was the same, like yeah, yeah. 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 But think about it, like you mentioned there, it, it, 2003 is probably a good year to use as we said, the la- maybe the last year of what we call where the season had a bit of substance and a bit of depth in it. Because as you said, the golden era from 97 to kind of 03, 04, you still, as you said, you had the two liter cars, you had relatable kind of designs that people could look to, people could aspire to get something similar on the road. You had substance in the teams, classic drivers, kind of loads of world champions. And let's say the simple thing of like the three car teams, the teams looked a lot more solid. There was kind of two and three year plans in place. Mm. Kind of 04 was kind of the first year where things really started to trim down and you you really lost because like it went through a period like they tried to remember when not in Merced or whoever got involved with the promotion of it, where they really tried to package it up to much to a much more bite-sized format. They were in that transition to get away from traditional rallying and get it into a format that could be sold easier and consumed easier. 2003 was probably the last point where they had the balance of both. So that, that sounds very familiar because that's, it seems like what they're trying to do now. Really, you can't do that with a sport that at its heart, its DNA isn't that easily compressed like uh, circuit racing is. You know, rallying is what it is. It isn't something else. And like with David Richards, had his ideas, if the infrastructure had been there and uh, to for to come through what we know now as WRC Live would have been there back then yeah mm. yeah. And, and think about it let's say look at look at 04 and 03 03 you still had the, the three car teams um, you had simple things of, of both names being on the side windows the, the championship format was still kind of traditional but a bit easier to understand but then 04 onwards two car teams driver's name on the window event formats are changing, the TV coverage, you could see it starting to go, I said, losing kind of what rallying is all about, you know? Do you think mm. a, a little bit of traceability kind of that, that we kind of related to so much growing up in terms of the McRae and the Burns kind of thing of, you know, their guys, they were over, they rallied here, you know, against the guys we idolised growing up, you know, and when those names aren't there, and some of the names yeah. you you were there, you know there is a little bit of kind of you know it trims away a little bit of something that it had. 
I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but maybe uh, yeah. Maybe it's, yeah. it's it's kind of like when you look at Formula One, Kimi Raikkonen is still there, and for a lot of people, Kimi Raikkonen was there when we were kids, and so was Fernando Alonso, and that for some there are, there is there are some people now. I, I will, I'm not one of the people that subscribes to that idea, but that that's still their last little bit of connection to it because it reminds them some bit of their their youth. Maybe I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's it. Yeah, maybe, maybe I'm overthinking. Maybe where <laughs> maybe where the modern day group B was from in era now. Do you know? Maybe we sound like those lads. Yeah, <laughs> sleeping in cartinas and corned beef being cooked. Wax and lyrical about the mid two thousand. But um, I think, yeah, it's just we've we've kind of covered there what uh, what our own thoughts on it are. Um, don't mean to skew anyone's opinion on, on this like you know hopefully you'll listen to the next few episodes and not just <laughs> switch off there for the next few weeks us three but, miserable bastards yeah. <laughs> I know but like you know we, we look it was still it was it, it actually it was a, a cracking year to be fair Um, it just I don't know the vibe I got at the start of the year was that something was changing it's the same vibe I got in 2019 Um, I remember that I remember thinking mm, things are things are going to they're not going to get better here. They're I remember better. you saying that to us, Morris, and us giving out to you for being a miserable bastard. Yeah, you all whinged. You all I whinged. didn't. I, I'm, we, we I'm, I'm a very sour person, and I yeah, agree with you. We all yeah. spoke about going to Monte Carlo, and you were like, lads, we have to do it. Although it not, this is on the yeah. way out. We're like, and of course, just... you didn't turn off. We went. You didn't bother because I didn't go. Either. Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. Look, I've no excuse. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I but, had a par- uh, partial entry to, to everything. I'm, yeah. I'm look, I'm preparing for a big year next year. That's yeah, come on, keep telling yourself that. Veteran domination um, next year. Other other aspects. Um, Do you know what struck me? I actually forgot about this point. This is the first year Rally Turkey came in. Yeah, I was just going to get onto the the rounds. There was a couple Sorry, of yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. couple of event changes. Germany had um, came in in 2002, uh, replaced Portugal from what I remember, and I think. As well, I imagine Turkey took uh, the safari place, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah, they also switched around some of the timings of the events. Uh, so New Zealand went back to its kind of slot earlier in the year. Um, it had been running later in the year, I think it was like the third last round in 2002. Um, but it switched it back kind of back towards April, March, April time again. Um, by 2003, and um, I think it stayed there for a few years after that. The Turkey, yeah, there was, I don't know, again. I did those events, the likes of Turkey, Greece. I don't actually, I don't mind Greece, but Turkey, Cyprus, um, Sardinia, those sort of events don't really appeal to me. I don't know why Sardinia just... doesn't appeal to me because it took away San Remo. Yeah, yeah, I, I think, yeah, look, I, I'm not as bad with Cyprus and Turkey because I think Turkey's had some good events. Um, bar, bar 2006 is though just a mud bath, but it, it can offer something. Cyprus still has a bit of classic, but yeah, Sardinia, no grofer whatsoever. Yeah, so it, they it, can it, get it, fucked. It, it, it's a dirty it, event. It's just, do you know what it is? It's kind of the, it's like you're saying, everything was trying to get that bit more packaged and a little bit of what made it so special. Like, the, like there was for a long time, Rally Finland was called the Thousand Lakes Rally. And suddenly it just crept in. It was called Rally Finland. And, you know, yeah. it's yeah, just yeah. a little bit of that identity becomes a bit homogenized and, you know, insert country name here, Rally. Yeah. That's insert. it. It's like to have a formula that's marketable and, and easily understood from an audience who aren't hardcore nerdy losers like us. Yeah. I think they might have been better just keep it to the people who liked it 
and yeah, appeals but think it of it, yeah, it's, it's like it's a niche. You've idiots yeah. like us who spend obscene amounts of money on it, and who cares about everyone else? They ended up alienating a lot of people. Um, Big time, yeah. Around this side, but then again, how how did we get into it in the first place? We got into it because it was, you know, it was marketable. That's like, it's so, class. It's it's still class. It's just needs yeah. to be refined. That's all. No, yeah, no, Tommy. It needs to be unrefined. That's what it needs to be. It needs to yeah. get back rough. dirty and rough. Yeah. R fives, R fives for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Let, let's not get into that here. Um, yes, let's get into no, that. No, I will no. fight you. And no. on this <laughs> tangent, two thousand three. We're talking about two thousand three. R fives weren't even a thing. Um, for Renault fives. Ten years after two thousand three. So Renault fives. Yeah, that's, that's the yeah. only R five that was around the two thousand three. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, so that kind of there was there's an interesting one there, Mars, that I actually looked up there. Um, that I, I again I think we probably would have known at the time, but they changed regulations around testing. Didn't you remember but, that? No, what was the story? So there's a rule they brought in. There's a couple of rule changes in 2003. Obviously, I think Tommy mentioned it at the start or maybe before we were on about the, the points structure. So you can delve into that in a second, Tommy, if you want. But the, the weird rule around the super specials. That if a driver was unable to do a super special um, on the evening of the ceremonial start, um, obviously if the initial shake then was given a thirty second time penalty, um, thirty seconds slower than the time taken by the fastest car in the category. If they and couldn't then, do it, if they didn't do the super special on the evening of the ceremonial start, and the other Thursday super special, what? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're only given a thirty second slower time than the fastest car. Was this the kind of the forerunner of Super Rally or something? Was it? Yeah, and they, yeah, they rejoined. They rejoined the rally. Then there were classes rejoining Friday morning. But the most interesting one around, as we spoke about, the kind of cost cutting measures. Yeah, you know, the whole thing around cost cutting measures and reformatting. They brought in a rule around testing, so that you couldn't do any testing. So no testing can be carried out in non-European countries where FIA events or WRC events are going on. You, you couldn't test in the same country, or, you know, on similar roads. Right, the event was on if it was outside Europe. So you couldn't go to New Zealand testing. You couldn't go to Australia testing. Couldn't go to South mm. America testing or Argentina. Was testing the problem at this point, though? It, I or think was it, it was. Be, it probably was. We probably just didn't see enough of it. What cars? Or was it not the cars themselves, no? How do you mean? The cars we're were talking, going that way. We're talking about cost here. Like, like think about what, what was that 2003 focus costing to build, like? Oh, no. yeah, yeah, but that's what I'm saying, like the whole thing around, they were trying to package it up, make it nice and cleaner, easier to sell um, and cut costs because there, there, there was a big thing around costs coming in. That's why 2004, they moved. Again, they're cutting they costs, but yes, they've, they're, they've moved New Zealand back to fucking April and Australia in September. So, yeah. you know. But they did, they did, they, they jigged the calendar that year to make it easier for teams logistically that they wouldn't have to have as many kind of support vehicles that could cover all the multiples yeah. of events so that the calendar changed to suit that. Yeah. Okay. You know, so there, it was like, there was, there was pressure. Like, I mean, every motorsport, every year is the same. There's cost cutting measures, rule changes, all this will make it easier and cheaper. And then everyone finds a way to spend mad money on it. And then they go again. Yeah. You know, yeah. The powers that be are just, you know, they give themselves a pat on the back every year. Yeah. What's your, what's your make of the, the points um, change, Tommy? Um, bringing it from, 10 points for a win right down to one point for eighth place and uh, eighth, sorry, second place got eight points and third place got six. I suppose it favours some drivers um, 
the more strategic drivers, the likes of a Richard Burns, people like that, I think if we're favouring you know, someone very calculated. But um, I don't know. I, I've always been of the opinion that points are for the top six and that's who points are for in in any um, in any kind of top I don't tier. think enough, there was enough of a split with this system between first and second. Um, whatever about the points for the down, I think, I think the, the winner of an event should be out on, you know, if they'd moved it to 12, maybe, mm. you know, 12 points for first and then eight for second, I think yeah. that would have been maybe better. But like you see it in championships all the time, like I see it even in domestic championships here, you win your, you win your event or you win your class on the event, for the finish the second is only a point, only a point behind you. Yeah. Because of, you know, 11 for a win, 10 for second. Yeah. You know, why, bit... why would you, why would you take the risk, you know, for, if you, if, you know, four points is probably worth it. Two might not be in certain cases, um, but look. I but I, I, I think a lot of that though, and much I suppose probably Formula One led the trend of it. I'd say it's to appease teams and to appease manufacturers that they can yeah. go back to their sponsors and different stakeholders. Say, yeah, we scored a championship point. Like, you know, you could have you could have inherited eighth place by pure attrition. Yeah. But you know. It it's a good news story to put out in your press release. You were in the points. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that kind of that brings us to the end of our 2003 season preview, um, which we we're conducting in December 2020. Um, just 17 years behind this time. We've we've yeah, we've moved up. Uh, we just we'll got banned. We'll eventually catch up there to to what's currently happening in the sport at some point in maybe 2025 or so. Modern yeah. times need modern solutions. They do. They do. I'm looking forward to future generations uh, chatting about the the 17 era. Yeah, no, we will, and I. And that's another thing that we discussed at length. That is uh, the 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 WRC plus cars. They are they are a groupie. Um, they are the cars that we'll be talking about for for years to come. I think. Um, but you know, for now, let's focus on 2003. And we will be doing so for the next couple of episodes. And as I mentioned, we'll have the 2003 world champion himself, Peter Solberg, joining us um, in a future episode for an, for an interview as well. Uh, we're hoping to get Phil Mills on as well. Um, so that'll be cool. Uh, Talking to the two guys who were the, the winners that year. Anyone who remembers will uh, obviously record Peter's celebrations in Margan Park in 2003 if you haven't done so. Give them a, a look on YouTube. They're they're worth the watch. You you won't be able to stop smiling when you see them. It's brilliant to watch. So, um, that's us for this episode. So from myself, Morris, and from Tommy and William. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll chat to you soon.